Hello, Knox friends. I'm glad to be with you again this week via video, and I hope you're adjusting reasonably well as we continue to stay at home as much as possible. I know we all continue to pray for those in our community who are really on the front lines of the pandemic we are facing, and those who are keeping essential services going, and those who are experiencing lost jobs and questions about their livelihood. I am grateful for the ways we are staying connected as a church community and the ways we are finding to reach out to our city. In the midst of a serious threat, there are great signs of care, love, and hope all around us. You can read about those things in our emails and on our website. I hope you will do so. I'm also glad, as I'm sure many of you are, that Jana is home from overseas and is leading worship with us again today, and I'm happy to be able to talk with you this morning. The scripture lesson for this Sunday is from the Gospel of John in chapter 9. I invite you to hear the word of God. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What a time we're living in. I spoke of it last Sunday as a time of disorientation, and I believe that to be true. The coronavirus is upsetting so many aspects of our lives. We'll be feeling the effects of these days for a long time to come. In the midst of that, I am also aware that for Christians, this is the season of Lent. Lent is a season we associate with Jesus' road to the cross. It occurs to me that for most of two millennia, in the midst of plagues, wars, and tragedies of every age, Christians have preserved this season. In this time of a pandemic, a time of acute human suffering, what are we Christians to think of this story of suffering in our own tradition? What is God up to these days? Can or should Lent and the coronavirus be spoken of in the same sentence? Well, I think they can, but I think we've got to be very careful as we think about the connections. So that's what I want to talk about this morning. Great care is important on this subject because when there is great suffering in the world, bad theology is always right around the corner. In every human catastrophe and natural disaster, there are hucksters out there ready to talk about who is to blame and how God is out to get somebody. As this current health crisis spreads, my mind goes back to the HIV-AIDS crisis of the 80s and 90s, and how the gay community in particular was so often the target of abuse, often from religious people. Hateful speech in the name of God is always deplorable. But on the other hand, there is a better story to tell. There is a loving, thoughtful, biblical way to talk about God in times of suffering. It is natural to ask, where is God in the midst of this pandemic? And I do think it's possible for us to give a compassionate answer. For starters, I think it's helpful to clarify what Lent is and what it is not, so that we know what we're talking about. Over time, a lot of negative baggage has accumulated around Lent. Many folks seem to think that Lent is mostly about feeling bad, 
You give up things that you usually enjoy, and you hear stories at church about the suffering of Jesus, and you hear him say things like, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It might sound like God doesn't like us very much. Well, I do believe that God dislikes some of the things we do, but I do not believe that's what Lent is about. No one really knows how Lent got started. We can trace when it became a formal practice in the Roman Catholic Church, but aside from that, we think that it grew up centuries ago alongside other springtime festivals. For Christians, the meaning of Lent harkens back to how people once went about joining the church. In the earliest years, the path to church membership was much more demanding than the Inquirer series our congregation has today. People who wanted to join the church went through a lengthy period of formation. Imagine this as a possibility. Some folks might have been introduced to the story of Jesus' temptations in the wilderness and would have been invited into a 40-day period of their own self-examination. They would have learned stories of Jesus during that time, stories of his radical love and his amazing compassion, and how his way of living was so contrary to the culture that people turned against him and put him to death. They would consider if they wished to follow that Jesus. On the night before Easter, the new initiates would be baptized. The great vigil of Easter became the time when they were welcomed into the fullness of the community. It was a journey of deep personal reflection, and the destination was Easter. Over time, this journey to Easter began to have a message. Part of that message was about penitence. You had to prepare yourself for baptism at the Easter vigil. And in order to prepare, you had to lay aside anything that was keeping you from God. We might relate this to our own modern-day practices of giving something up for Lent. This penitence was meant to prepare a person to receive the joy of Easter. Real gratitude for the love of Jesus and his triumph over death grew out of a sustained period of thinking about our own weakness our own vulnerability, our own need to place our trust in God. When Easter arrives after a long period of considering how much we need God and how much God loves us, it can only be met with real joy. Preparation for that joy is what Lent should be about. So, I've been working hard in this sermon to try to redeem the meaning of Lent, but what difference does that make today? You may be thinking to yourself, fine, I understand that Lent is about remembering that God loves us, but if that's true, where is God as we come face to face with this pandemic? What does God's love have to do with all of this suffering? Here I'm going to turn to the work of a theologian named Philip Yancey. He's done a lot of thinking and writing in his career about this subject. And I'll link you to a recent post on his website if you'd like to read more about it yourself. Yancey doesn't try to provide all of the answers. He admits that if you open the Bible looking for an easy explanation for suffering, you're going to be disappointed. But he does make two helpful observations about how the Bible speaks of suffering. 
Yancey's first point is that we live on a broken planet. And he says that the brokenness of this world displeases God as much as it displeases us. So God is not out to get us, but rather God wants a good life for us. And when things happen in the world that result in suffering, God is as grieved about it as we are. God shares that pain with us. The second observation Yancey makes is that God is on the side of the sufferer. God is on the side of the sufferer. Yancey admits that it is tempting to witness suffering and to assume that we are being punished. But there is a simple response to that, and we see it in the life of Jesus. At almost every turn in the story of Jesus' ministry, we find Jesus not judging or punishing a person who is suffering, but loving that person in the midst of their suffering. Jesus is on the side of the sufferer. God is on the side of the sufferer. That is what followers of Jesus believe. As today's scripture lesson, I read you an example of such a story, and I invite you on your own to read all of John chapter 9 when you have a chance. In this story, Jesus shows us an example of just what I've been talking about. Jesus was walking with his disciples as they came upon a man who was blind from birth. Now, it deserves to be said that in the modern world, we would have a much more favorable opinion of the gifts of folks who are visually impaired, but in the ancient world, blindness was certainly looked down upon. So, wanting to understand the suffering they see, the disciples ask Jesus, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus does not give the kind of answer the disciples were hoping for. He doesn't assign blame. Instead, he asserts that the man's life has great purpose to show the glory of God. And then Jesus sides with the blind man, the one who is suffering. He heals him. But even before he heals him, he tells the disciples that the man's life is of value. In this story, we see that Jesus doesn't give us all of the answers that we may want, but certainly he is compassionate toward the person who needs him most. I believe this about Jesus, that in the time of this pandemic, Jesus is most on the side of the sick and the dying, of workers who are putting themselves at risk, of regular people and families whose lives are being turned upside down by this crisis. I believe that their suffering displeases God at least as much as it displeases us. So the question that then remains is, what should we be doing? In these days of Lent, these days meant for self-examination, what is the connection between our journey of Lent and the pandemic that surrounds us? For me, it is that we each have a responsibility to ask how we can join God and stand on the side of those who are suffering. And there are things I believe we can do. We can act generously. Some of us are in a position to give and share and do with less in this critical time. 
There are opportunities for us to give and share and volunteer on our church website right now. It is an act of holiness to be generous. We can also be compassionate. Many among us are feeling lonely or anxious or scared. People need companions for this journey that we are on. We all need companions. We can listen and show concern for one another. We can ask for help for ourselves when we need it. This mutual support is what the church is for. And finally, I will tell you once again, even though it may feel like you're not doing anything, staying at home as much as you can is a commitment to fight the virus and to prevent the suffering of others. All of these things we can receive as Lenten disciplines, ways of committing ourselves to the good of others as we explore our own faith in the name of Christ. Even as I wrote this meditation, I was aware of the luxury of having written it at all. We awoke today in a world where I get to think philosophically about the connection between Lent and human suffering. Meanwhile, healthcare workers the world round continue to face deep fatigue, short supplies, and heart-wrenching decisions. I am awed by their commitment and thankful for their love and dedication, lived out today in fighting a good fight, even against great odds. Wherever we find ourselves, I believe each one of us can make a difference. I pray that we might be good stewards of the gifts that we have been given, not only today, but in the weeks and the months to come that we might follow Jesus faithfully and in ways that are available to us, put ourselves on the side of those who are suffering. This is my Lenten prayer. Keep in touch, friends. I'll see you soon. Amen.